Amen. Amen. Um, well, uh, we uh, finished up, a lot of the home groups finished up this past Wednesday. I think some of them are, are still going for another week or two. Um, but we, we were doing the story, uh, which is going through the grand story of the scriptures. And we had a great time, didn't we, those of you who were with us? You, actually, I see like one of you here. Okay, there we go. We see a couple. All right. We had a great time, great time getting into some wonderful discussions where we got to needle each other with, you know, our own little private heresies and things like that. Um, it was a great time, and uh, I want to let you know that we are going to start home groups again in January. Um, and I've never actually said this from here, but, but uh, several of you guys have come to me and said, you know, I'd like to lead a home group. Could I? And I have an idea for doing this. If you're interested in leading a home group, please give us a call and come in. We can chat about it because we love that idea. Um, and uh, so we're wanting to, to add in new things we haven't done before, all, all kinds of fun stuff. So please uh, call our office. I'd love to, to talk with you about it. Um, but as we're doing this story, um, we, we kept getting in these conversations that have to do with like predestination and free will and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and one of my favorite things that came up was, was this idea that our prayers actually move the hand of God. And, and like, is, that, is, is it really happening? Or like, uh, that whole thing. You, we can talk about our free will, but I, you start asking almost, almost like God's free will. Like, does God have a free will? What if God wants to go off the script that he's written for him? So like, all those kinds of things that, you know, may kind of blow your mind because theologically you get into, into areas when we probably won't really be able to answer, but it's just fascinating to think about. So I want to uh, uh, talk this morning uh, about what prayer changes. Here's a common thing that many of you might have heard. Prayer doesn't change circum circumstances, it changes me. Anybody heard that before? Okay. There was a similar quote that's attributed to C.S. Lewis. For the life of me, I can't find where he ever said it. They, they put it in, his, uh, in the movie Shadowlands when he says uh, something similar. He says, God doesn't, or, or, prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. So I, I, I agree that God isn't changed there. I, I, I agree that we are changed as we pray. It's only natural as we spend time uh, with a person uh, we start to become more like them. As we fix our affections and our attention on them, we start to become more like them. So it only stands to reason when we can begin to pray, when we get to turn our eyes to the king of heaven, that we become more like him. We become changed. But I take issue with the first part, that prayer doesn't change circumstances. And I want to talk about this morning. I do not think that it's true. I want to take, walk you through a couple of stories here. Uh, one in the Old Testament, and this one is one that many people have great difficulty talking about because it's very difficult to explain, and it can fly in the face of our theology. So what happens sometimes is when that gets uncomfortable, we just don't talk about it. <laughs> so I want to talk about Hezekiah. You guys know this story? King Hezekiah was a really good king, one of the very few. There's almost no good kings in the history of Judah. Was, there was no good king with the northern kingdom of Israel, but with the southern kingdom of Judah, there were a couple, and here was one of them right here, Hezekiah. He was a great guy. He, over, he, he, he was good friends with uh, Isaiah the prophet. Uh, while he was king, he watched as, as his brothers to the north, the ten tribes, were defeated by the king of Assyria. Mighty empire. And they, they came close to Judah, too, and were about to overrun them. And, and he saw the mighty deliverance of the Lord from the king of Assyria. He also tore down the high places and, and, and the altars to Baal and Ashtaroth and Moloch. And he, he refused to let that be a part of his kingdom. 
and he's honored, he's just, just honored all the way through scripture. Uh, nobody turned their heart to him like Hezekiah, the, the scribe says. So here's Hezekiah one day, and Isaiah the prophet comes and delivers to him some very unfortunate news. Uh, here's what he says. Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Uh, it's always kind of a funny little couplet in Hebrew uh, literature. There's, there, uh, you sort of rephrase it in a different way. This one always sort of makes me laugh, because you shall die and not live. You know? Anyway, uh, so <laughs> set your house in order. Talk to whoever you need to talk to. Write those letters. Forgive your father. <laughs> whatever you need to do, um, because you're going to die. And he leaves. Well, the minute he leaves, Hezekiah is really broken up. And it says he turns his face to the wall, and he begins to cry out to the Lord. Lord, please, no, not yet. Please, Lord, no, not yet. He begins to weep as he cries out to God. No, please, not yet. Even, he hasn't even left the courtyard yet. He's trying to leave the palace. He's not even halfway across the courtyard when God speaks to him and says, go back and deliver my new words to him. So he goes back. And here's what he tells Hezekiah. Words of the Lord here. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add, 15, uh, add to your days 15 years. Do you see why this could be potentially troubling? If you don't and you're great with it, awesome. Close your ears because I'm about to mess you up. Not really. Here's the question. What if Hezekiah hadn't prayed? What if he hadn't prayed? It, it seems to me God said, here's what I'm going to do, and he really meant it. But he wasn't just kidding around. Here's what I'm going to do. He delivered a message. Prophets deliver the message of God all the time. God said, here's what's going to happen. Somebody else prays. God listens. He thinks about it. And he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And he actually changed courses. Now, this will mess you up theologically. And I invite it to. I invite it to let it mess you up theologically. Embrace a little bit of mystery. Here's what happened. A man prays. And something changes. God was going to do this. And somebody prays, and so he says, okay, now I'm going to do this. All I'm doing is reading the story. We can all come up with ways how this, how to, to work this out, and, and that's great. Find your own way. I've got a way, well, I kind of think maybe how this works, I, but I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that God would dare invite our prayers and our opinions into his counsel. In fact, it almost seems totally heretical that he would ever do that. Why would he possibly care? No, 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 no. He's, that wouldn't be dignified of God to dare do that. That's what some people say. Well, uh, God, no, God is altogether totally, completely separated from us. Well, he took him into his counsel. That's all I can tell you. Do you remember the story of Abraham? I won't go through that whole thing. Remember the story of Abraham? When, when the, the, the Lord and two angels come and visit him right before they're going to destroy Sodom? And the Lord says this, powerful statement to, to the angels. He says, shall I hide from my friend Abraham what I'm going to do? And he decides he won't hide this thing. And he turns to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to judge Sodom. 
And Abraham then falls on his face and says, please, please. And he starts negotiating with God. Now, what God did not do was strike him with lightning and walk away. How dare you presume to urge me to do something different? And he starts, (laughs) you get a little bit of view into Abraham and how he operated here. You know, he was haggling here. Okay, okay, so, 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 say there's 50, I don't know, 50 righteous people. What'd you do with that? Okay, fine. 50 righteous I'll spare the city. Okay, good. How about 40? And he starts working down. He keeps going. And he's so funny because then he's like, he's like, oh, my, uh, forgive me. I know I have no right, right even to speak to you or whatever, but, but please don't be angry with me. But just say there were 10. He works them all the way down to 10. Sometimes wonder if he could have worked them down to one. Seriously. And God does not do anything but listen and actually responds. Here's Abraham pushing the goalposts forward, and God lets him do it. Can you explain that in terms of foreknowledge and all these things? Maybe we can't explain it, but that is the testimony of the Scripture. God listens and takes our requests and our heart into his consideration when he's acting. It sounds like madness, doesn't it? Happens in the New Testament all the time. One of my favorite stories here in the ministry of Jesus. He's at a wedding. It's very early in his ministry. He's just been baptized by John the Baptist, just chosen some disciples, and he comes to a wedding. Now, this is a big deal. Weddings weren't just a couple hours and maybe a reception when maybe people danced awkwardly for a little bit. It was something much different. It was a big deal. It was three days of feasting, dancing, merriment. It was, it was a big deal. It was of great cost, of course, to the pe- people putting on the feast. And it was also, uh, uh, well, it was a, uh, a sign of honor to the guests. Hospitality was a huge part of their culture. And, and they have a crisis. They're at a wedding, and late in the wedding, they've run out of wine. That might not seem like a big deal because well, we can just run down to Safeway to pick up something to drink. Not a big deal. This is a huge deal and, a, and possibly a very big embarrassment if this got out. Well, Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to him. She comes to her son. And here's what she says. They have no wine. <laughs> Jesus, they're out of wine. We don't know if she explicitly stated it or if the prayer was in her eyebrows. (laughs) And he says, woman. (laughs) Not like that. It would have a different connotation. He's like, woman, mother, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And she goes, And when he does that, she does this. And she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you, and walks away. She knows she's won. She's prevailed upon him. This is so fascinating to me, guys. You need to take this in. What he told her is not yet. Not yet, yes, I will do miracles, and I'll show people, but not yet, this is too early. But she prevails upon him. 
she makes a request and he sees the request he sees his mother and he probably loves these people and he's like i get yeah yeah okay fine can you imagine that jesus heart was moved with compassion by a need and therefore he does something that he actually hadn't planned to do this is what we talked about all the way during through, through our home group ready for this it's this idea does god ever improvise and I actually think he does. I think Jesus, all the way through his ministry, is improvising. Seriously. This was obviously something he had not planned to do. And he's going all the way through. He's, he's, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's giving these beautiful parables. He's hugging lepers. He's, doing, he's kissing babies. He's doing all these wonderful things. And then he sees somebody who's sick here, and they can't, and he's, ah. And he, so he'll go and heal them. But then he does this, shh. Please don't tell anyone. The entire time of his ministry, he's telling people, please try to keep this under wraps, okay? <sighs> Isn't that fascinating? Do you know what I think? I think he had a very specific time, and it's what he said to his mom indicates this. He had a specific time when he was going to go and unveil his power, and he was going to show the world who he was. And, the, and, and I actually wonder if, if maybe that was going to be later on with the, with, with the death of Lazarus, or later in his ministry, but he had a time when it, this was, all this stuff was going to be unveiled, but he just can't help himself, guys. He has a soft spot in his heart for people. And he sees people in need. And he hears people requesting things of him. And he's just like, okay, be you. That's the way that Jesus rolled. He took people's requests into his counsel. He allowed himself to be moved. And I want to suggest to you that if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. He allows himself to be moved by your prayers. Prayer doesn't change circumstances, it changes me. No, sir, I don't think this is true. I think the testimony of Scripture all the way through reveals that, that prayer is not just something symbolic that we do that it's actually a real give and take, that it's actually real relationship, that he actually hears us and, and considers what we have to say. Ah, is that kind of scary? Maybe it should be, just a little bit. He wants to know what you have to say. Fascinating. And he does change circumstances. Tiny sampling, tiny sampling of scripture. I was looking at a whole bunch of them going, oh, we could just go through, we could, we could go through scriptures the entire church service if we wanted to. And let it just feel the weight of this truth on us. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Call to me, I will answer. Do you hear that? You call, I answer. What is this? This sounds like give and take relationship. Because it is. This whole idea that he's so detached and some other universe, and you, you gotta get rid of it. He's with you, close to you. Not, not just like proximity-wise, but he's going through things alongside you. Call to him and he will answer. Fascinating. He actually hears, he actually gives us answers. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power 
as it is working. Wait a minute, the prayer, well, the prayer doesn't actually have any, I mean, God was just, I mean, it doesn't really matter ultimately, because everything ultimately is already going to be set. So it, it's more of a symbolic thing. No, that's not what he says. He says the prayer actually has great power. How? I, I don't know. That's what he says. Here's another one. Again, I could go through this all day, but this is the third one. I'm just going to leave it here. My people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Think about the sequence involved in this, guys. If people pray and ask me, then I'll listen to that thing, and then in response to what they asked, I will forgive them and heal their land. Now here is the uncomfortable question. What if people don't pray? Well, I mean, you know, ultimately, God's will is going to be done, will it? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know why he prayed that? Because many times God's will is not being done. You see, God doesn't rule like a tyrant and make every single thing happen that he wants to happen. If he did, then, well, we don't have a whole lot of responsibilities here. But he actually gave us authority and power. So that's why he says, come, ask me things. Come together, pray to me, bring your petitions to me, and I will hear you, and I will respond to those things. It's a scary thing because there's a weight of responsibility and the tendency that many of us have is to go, ah, no, I mean, ultimately it doesn't matter because ultimately, well, maybe, but maybe not. And it seems to me that he's actually given some weight to what you have to say and what you have to pray. Are there things that won't happen if we don't pray? It's a stinging question. Here's what John Wesley says. John Wesley, the great preacher, the, the, the key figure in the Great Awakening, one of the most major revivals that we've ever seen in history, saw some unbelievable transformation, unbelievable miracles happen in his life. And here's what Wesley had to say. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Is that hyperbole? Maybe. But I want to suggest to you, if it's hyperbole, it's not much hyperbole. God waits many times to act. He waits for his people to pray. And he responds. And when he moves, you can almost certainly find someone who's been asking him to move, someone who's already been praying in one direction. This is the testimony of one of the, the, the most amazing Christian leaders of all time, and that's what he says. Can you imagine if that's true? It's a sobering thought, isn't it? Now, here's the thing. We have to be careful with this idea that if we don't pray, something won't happen because we're very small, and we must be humble in thinking about these truths. Because it could be very easy to point and say, well, that person did get healed. Well, obviously, you weren't praying hard enough. And the truth is, 
We can't see inside that invisible realm, guys. There are things we can't see. And we can't make that judgment. You know what we can do? We ourselves can pray for breakthrough for that person. We can't judge. You can't use these things as some bludgeon. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Are there opportunities that I have missed in my life? I think probably so. And that is a little bit sobering. Was there somebody I could have prayed for that might have been healed? There could have been. Somebody I could have shared with that would have broken down and given their heart to the Lord? I don't know. There could have been. We can't dare let shame and regret and all those things break us down. Nevertheless, the fact is true. God moves as a response to our prayers. Therefore, if we don't pray and if we don't ask, there probably will be some things that don't get done. Does that sting? Yeah. Yeah, but it's also beautiful. It's a beautiful thing because if we come to him and remember that we're his children and we begin to, to, to ask in accordance with what he has to say, we will see more powerful breakthrough than we would ever, ever know. It's a wonderful thing to be his children because he's taken us into his counsel. This is part of our own heritage, not only as Christians, but as Americans. This week we celebrate Thanksgiving. And this is actually a beautiful point in, in the founding of our history. I know there's a bunch of ugly points, but this was a beautiful point, and we don't need to apologize for this. There were men and women who came who loved God dearly. About 102 of them came over in 1620. And they, they, they came to establish a place where they could serve God according to their conscience. In that first winter, over half of them died. A brutal, brutal winter. It was a very difficult time. And, and they, they plant crops over that spring, and, and, and they pray, and they have a harvest. It's not a big harvest, but it's a harvest nonetheless, and they have a little bit of food. So they say, let's have a feast. And they get a bunch of uninvited guests. The guests were the natives right there. And at first, everyone's freaking out because there's not enough food. They'd made friends with some of these people. There's not enough food. But then the guests are bringing in turkeys and deer. And they're bringing in their own food. And everyone is celebrating together. It really happened. <laughs> Two years later, they had finally uh, planted. And it looked like there might be a good harvest coming. But then something terrible happened. A drought came. We read to you, the drought continued from the first week in May till the middle of July without any rain and with great heat. And so much as the corn began to wither away, though it was set with fish, the moisture therefore helped it much. At length, it began to languish more and more. And some of the drier ground was parched like withered hay. Part of thereupon was never recovered upon which they set apart a solemn day of humiliation to seek the Lord by humble and fervent prayer and great distress. They begin to fast and pray and call out to the Lord, saying, Lord, we, can't, we, we cannot go on if this drought continues. And he was pleased to give them a gracious and speedy answer, both to their own and the Indians' admiration that lived among them. For all the morning and the greatest part of the day, it was clear weather and very hot, and not a cloud or any sign of rain could be seen. Yet toward the evening, it began to be overcast, and shortly after, it began to rain with such sweet and gentle showers as gave them cause of rejoicing and blessing God. 
It came without either wind or thunder or any violence, and by degrees uh, and in that abundance, uh, uh, as that the earth was thoroughly wet and soaked, where, uh, which did so apparently revive and quicken the corn and the other fruits, and was wonderful to see, and made the Indians astonished to behold. And afterwards, the Lord uh, sent them such seasonable showers with interchange of fair, warm weather, as through his blessing caused a fruitful and liberal harvest to their no small comfort and rejoicing, for which mercy they also set apart a day for thanksgiving to be celebrated every year. You see, the day of thanksgiving, guys, is a commemoration that God hears our prayers that God listened to them, and on that very day that they had this urgent need and began to fast and pray, he answered them, and he saved them. Isn't that wonderful? It's part of our DNA. We thank God for his answer in prayer, that when we call out to him, he hears us. Here's the thing. But my circumstance, my circumstance, yeah. Here's what holds many of us back from really embracing the idea that God could hear our prayer and respond. Many of you have zero problem with this, I understand. Many of you, this is a bigger deal, and it's sort of this deeper thing of like, okay, I do believe it sort of, but my circumstances here, and it's very hard for me to actually embrace this thing. But I'm trying, but it's very hard. My circumstances here. Well, here's the thing. I sympathize 100%. I really do. But if we allow that circumstance to dominate our theology, then we're giving in to a very self-centered way of seeing the world that our culture does. See, our, our, the culture sees the world where everything that exists is only through, through my experience. There can't really be loyalty in this world because nobody's been loyal to, loyal to me. There can't really be love because people don't love me. There can't really be pizza in the world because I've never seen pizza. You see how weird this gets? There can't really be such a thing as snow. There can't really be such a wonderful thing as, as apple pie. There, it, it doesn't exist. I've never had it. Do you see how silly this is? It's a silly thing, but it, it, it can become, uh, uh, become a, a, a self-centered and, and, and self-pity-driven way of seeing reality. I understand and I sympathize because this honestly is where I live much of the time as waiting for breakthrough, and I haven't seen it in every area. And I'm going, Lord, I believe in answered prayer, but do I? Because you haven't. But if I let the thing that I'm crying out for breakthrough get in the way, then I'm saying all of reality is determined by this thing, which is right in front of my eyes, and nothing else even counts. And that's very intellectually dishonest, and it's very arrogant to think that my own experience dictates all of reality. You see, the real breakthroughs that we've had are every bit as real as the circumstances that are in front of you. Think about all the things that we've heard lately. Think of the wonderful testimony we had from Jane this morning. A woman suddenly healed of hepatitis C in the waters of baptism. Unbelievable. 
Think of the story that Dave shared last week of the Lord somehow, somehow, how could these people have known what he was going through? But somehow, four weeks in a row, they tell him this exact thing, and then somebody else tells him this exact thing, and goes, how do you know? I didn't tell anybody. Well, that's, that's the Lord hearing the desperate cry of a heart and answering that. Think of the story of, of uh, Nina Avery, of, of having uh, vertigo and not, not no, wanting, wanting to get on an airplane and being so paralyzing, and the Lord breaking that in an instant. Think of the story of Bonnie, who shared a, a couple of months ago about a deep wound in her heart and dealing with that for a long time, and what happens? Boom. In an instant, she gives it to God, and it's gone. Those things should not happen, but they do, because he hears our prayers. These are testimonies that he's given us, and they're every bit as real as a circumstance that, that's still unresolved. You see what I'm saying? We need to bring all of those in, and you guys, this is why we need to persist in giving the testimonies. And we need to persist in receiving the testimonies and hearing them, even if they break our own heart because we haven't yet received that breakthrough. Hold on to them, bring them in, force your heart to expand, and bring those things in and say, yes, Lord, I'll celebrate that thing, even if it hurts my heart that I haven't had that breakthrough. I'm gonna continue to celebrate and say, thank you, Lord. And does amazing things in your heart. Can I give you one more story? Last story. 1961. It's a 12-year-old boy up in the outskirts of Vancouver, B.C. He wakes up one morning. He feels utterly sick, sicker than he's ever felt. He feels uh, incredibly weak, exhausted. He tells his parents. His parents are concerned. They're his youngest son. They take him to the doctor. And they begin to run tests. He doesn't go home. They take him to the hospital. They're running tests. Something's very, very wrong. They don't tell his mother because they're concerned about breaking the news to her. But they tell his father, your son has leukemia. Terrible news to hear in any era. But in 1961, that meant a death sentence. There was no way to treat it. So they say, your son has maximum six months to live, but it probably won't be that long. They keep him in the hospital. They continue to do tests. He continues to get weaker and weaker. There's no way that he's going to get out of this. For weeks, he's there, up to a month. And then his father one day decides that he's had enough. He's a man of prayer. He's a stubborn man. And he, he owns a, a service station. And he decides, I'm going to shut my business down for three days. And I'm just going to fast and pray. Give up my livelihood. I'm going to do battle for my son. And he does. In three days, he fasts and he prays and he cries out to God. He comes back in on a Sunday, the same morning. His son wakes up and he, he looks down at his feet and he's got blood flow and he kicks off the covers. And he says, I feel great. I feel amazing. What's the deal? His dad comes in, sees that he feels great and says to the doctor, test him. And they said, sir, we've been running tests. He's he, test him again. Sir, no, no, no. He, I tell you, he was a stubborn man. Test him again. They test him. Well, that's weird. Sir, we're going to have to retest your son. They go back and retest your son. Again, they retest his son again. They come back and they say, Sir, I don't understand, but your son does not have leukemia. He did, but he doesn't now. Not a trace of this disease. They don't know what to do. They keep testing him, going, this is strange. He should not be alive. He should not. They don't know what to do. They write it up in a medical uh, magazine, and it goes out, sort of this mystery. 
That 12-year-old boy goes, grows older. He gets married. He goes into missions. He moves to Kentucky. And 10 years later, I was born to that man. I tell you that story, I'm like wondering, I can't even remember if I've told my daughters this story before. Did you know that story? I'm so sorry. It's just like, I was thinking about it this week of like, we've got to remember the other testimonies and not just the specific thing we're going through. Because God's come through in supernatural ways and he healed my dad in a way that was undeniable where the doctors threw their hands up and wrote it up in a medical journal. And I wouldn't be here if my grandfather had not prayed. Do you see that? Amen. Amen. Because when we pray, the Lord actually hears, and he actually responds. It's not an honorary thing, but I think he's up there listening in real time, and I think he's improvising. He's going, hey, I heard that prayer. You know what? Let's do this. Let's get down there, and let's heal this kid, and let's see what happens to his life. He hears you. He hears you. I bring this up because we are soon going to embark our, on our own journey as a church to join with the other churches of Lane County in praying for our community. And we'll give more details as we go, but I want to give you guys a grid to understand that just because some things haven't been answered, that doesn't mean he's not active. And when we put our faith together, he does amazing things, and we're going to see amazing things in our own communities and in our own lives. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, and we look forward to more and more amazing things that you are going to do. We look in anticipation at the breakthroughs that are going to happen, the healings that are going to occur, the people set free from life patterns that are destructive. We look forward to seeing graduation rates rise, Lord, for seeing crime rates fall, for seeing our, our, our city fall in love with you. It can be done. It can be done because all things can be done through you. We thank you for the testimony of your goodness. Help us to embrace it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, prayer servant team, please come forward. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.